Hello, welcome back to the Edge of the Box podcast, a podcast by whoscored.com. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, joined by Ben from Who Scored and Jonathan Wilson, recording a little bit earlier this week. So we're going to look at some Premier League as well as some Champions League and have a look at what's going on there. But we start this week with the Premier League team of the week. And Ben, you have it for us. Yep, so in goal, we've got David De Gea, back four of Kenny Tete, Tim Ream, Luke Shaw and Purvis Estupanan. Midfield is Solly March, Rodri, who is the player of the week, Andreas Pereira and William. And then rounding off up top is Kalechi Iheanacho and Ivan Tony. It's a very Fulham-centric side. How many Fulham players mm. are there? Four or five? Four. Four Fulham. Going well, Jonathan, aren't they? Really are. I mean, I, I, yeah, Saturday's game, you feel a bit sorry for Forrest to lose both your centre-backs in the seventh minute is is difficult. Um, not just because of the organisation it it means it at the time, but also it restricts what you can do later in the game. Um, but Fulham were brilliant in that game. I mean, they would work, what, three times as well as one two nil. Willian looks a totally different. I mean, I just can't believe the rejuvenation of Willian. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just a team that works, isn't it? That midfield's really strong. They've they've got attacking threat from wide. Mitrovic obviously has had a, had a great season. The two fullbacks are both very good. And, and Tim Ream, who was pretty much a joke last time he was in the Premier League, looks like a proper player. Yeah, if they keep everyone fit, they've got a very decent chance of top six, top seven this season. Same with Brentford as well. I, I guess both those West London teams are, are flying high. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit like last season, is it, where uh, it's very hard to work out who's going to finish even fourth. That there's... Uh, you know the the obvious gradation of the top four and the rest doesn't exist anymore. I mean, you know, we know that that there's now six or seven if you include Newcastle, but whoever gets into fourth seems then to to panic. I mean, Newcastle have only only won one of the last six, I think, is it now? Lots like, of draws, far, far too many draws. So they're starting to stutter. Tottenham are all over the place. Um, so yeah, Liverpool, Chelsea, obviously having having their issues. So it really is open this season. I, mean, I don't think it's totally, but I don't think it's likely. But I don't, it's not totally impossible for Brentford or Brighton even to pinch fourth. Mm. It's been an interesting season. Good for those teams because you know they've recruited well, good managers. They're going well. Good luck to them. I hope it continues for them. We're going to look first this week at Arsenal against Manchester City, which is of course on Wednesday night, a real critical game in the title race, and the first time these teams are playing each other this season. This, this is big. This, this is really pivotal in how the rest of the season's going to go. It's the Zinchenko derby, Ben. Also the Jesus derby, but he probably won't be playing. Hindsight is a big thing in football, but were Man City wrong to sell Zinchenko to Arsenal? Because I'm assuming when they sold him, they didn't think Arsenal would be anywhere near them in the title race. You could also argue that City's hand was forced and that Zinchenko perhaps wanted to leave in pursuit of regular first-team football. Uh, he was back up to João Cancelo at left-back at the time. Um, so, yeah, it's feasible to suggest that he just wanted out. City thought we could make some money here. And they probably, I don't think anyone foresaw that Arsenal be uh, challenging for the title at this stage of the season. Um, obviously, they then lost Cancelo to Bayern, uh, albeit on loan. But still, it leaves them short at left-back coming to the final months of the season. Um, and Zinchenko has just been an absolutely incredible signing for Arsenal, which is not a surprise, really, considering he is a top-quality footballer, uh, was underused at City, but then... You know, if you've got Jao Cancelo ahead of you in the pecking order, that's to be expected. 
the big leader as well, isn't he, Jonathan? And I guess, you know, Arsenal in, in this title race, they'll lean on him quite heavily because he's got the experience of being in a tight title race before. Yeah, I mean, he, he'd never played... He was at City for five seasons. He never played more than 15 league games, 15 league starts. Um, so you can see why he needed to get away. I think... I mean, that leadership, I think you're, you're right. I'm not sure we really saw that at City because it's, it's very difficult for a backup player to, to be a leader, you know. Um, how do you come in and start sort of shouting at people when everybody's like, oh, hang on, you're, you're the reserve. You, you played 10, 12 games a season. But I think we where you did see it was... Um, during the Euros with with Ukraine, that he was clearly the player we looked to there, uh, and he, you know he's been able to, to to bring that to Arsenal. I mean, yeah, he has experienced title races. I, I think the dynamic is very different at City, where certainly in recent years, um, after the first couple, it's been expected that they should be in the title race. Whereas I don't think anybody really expected Arsenal to be where they they are now. Um, so, so so that that is a slightly different. Um, picture but I think this game is it's not just critical because if City win they go top it's critical because a couple of weeks ago Arsenal had an eight point lead and if that's suddenly gone I think it might be very difficult for them to pick themselves up again um, and they can say they were a bit unlucky against Brentford with the, you know, the fact that, that the equaliser was offside and that VAR got that wrong but at the same time Brentford created a lot of chances you, you can't say sort of in, in the round that a draw was some sort of scandalous result and they fully deserved to lose at Everton the week before. So their, their form is off. If they win this, suddenly they're, they're six points clear with the game in hand and everything's fine again. If they lose it, then there's real pressure on and, and you, you fear for them that their season could sort of dwindle away. And yeah, finishing in the top four would have been a good season for them, but it would feel like a terrible chance missed. Yeah, and the, the fixtures probably come round at the, at the wrong time but a little bit, hasn't it, Ben? If this had come round maybe three, four weeks ago, Arsenal would have gone into this. They'd, they'd have been vibrant. They were, they were going really well. But this fixture's now come at completely the wrong time. And Manchester City, although I think Villa made it easy for them, they did bounce back at the weekend. Yeah, I mean, this is a rearranged fixture. So when Arsenal could have played City a few months ago for that PSV uh, rearranged game in the Europa League, it felt like the ideal time for Arsenal to face City then because City were undergoing a bit of a wobble. Um, now it's completely flipped on its head. Arsenal have failed to win in three now, which is you know poor run of form by their standards. Uh, obviously, they bounced back from the back-to-back defeats with a draw with Brentford, albeit probably consider that two points dropped. Arsenal fans probably would. Um, it, it it's come at, as you say, a bad time for Arsenal. They would have probably fancied playing City earlier in the season when this game was supposed to be played, uh, given the form of the two sides at the time. You can still get at City, though, which I guess Arsenal will take encouragement from. They, they do play high up, which potentially suits Arsenal a little bit more than playing against a low block team, Jonathan. I think that's definitely true. And I, I, I sort of, um, yeah, I, I, I was at the Etihad on Sunday and. Yeah, the nature when you're writing live on a game is you, you probably um, overemphasize the importance of what happens in the first half. And City were totally dominant in that first half. Is that that one chance very early on, a half chance of a break when, when Leon Bailey got in behind them? And you sort of thought, are they this weird shape, this sort of um, 3 4 2 1? Maybe that's not, not going to work for them. There is space there. And then yeah, because Villa essentially gave them three goals. I mean, the, you know, the three goals were all in nonsense defensively. Um, the game's over and, and and it's then very hard to know how seriously to take what happened in the second half. But City conceded chances in the second half. 
nobody really paid much attention to them because it was already 3-0 and, and you know, it was never re I suppose there's maybe a five, ten minute spell after Villa got one back where you thought, yeah, maybe maybe yeah, maybe there could be a bit of pressure here. But you yeah, you don't come from three 0 down against City. Um but that second half, I mean Guardiola was very odd afterwards. He said he thought the second half was better than the first, but I, I mean I thought they were totally dominant first half and second half Villa did cause some problems. So I don't know if you'll stick with that shape. I'm not convinced by that shape. Uh I guess the the back three sort of slightly forced on them by having got rid of Zinchenko and, and Cancelo that um Ake can fill in at left back. Um Laporte can fill in at left back, but they're not natural left left backs. So you know he's he's tried to play Grealish and Mars as wing backs, which is a, a, a an odd idea. It's fine if you're dominating possession, but it, it does leave you defensively short on the flanks. So I, I, I don't think I don't think City are are at all settled at the minute and, and you know, though they won easily enough on Sunday. I don't I think I possibly, when writing about it, suggested it was um a more significant win than it actually was. Mm. And they've got Bernardo Silva, who kind of playing this weird left left footed Philip Lahm left back role. I guess Philip Lahm was more of a right back for Bayern, but it was very weird watching Bernardo Silva against Villa at the weekend. Although I thought actually he, he handled it very well, but I'd be very surprised if Ake didn't come back in at left back for a, for a game like this that's so pivotal in the, in the title race. I mean, against Saka, you'd assume so. But whoever's against Saka, it's difficult, right? And Ake, yeah, sure. Ake is a, is a for a centre back is very mobile, um, but he's a big bloke, and no big bloke is quick on the turn. And so you think if he is at left back, Saka can can potentially get at him. But I don't think there's anybody in the City squad who'd think, oh yeah, he'll he'll pop Saka in his pocket. That'll be. I mean, I guess there's probably nobody in world football who can say that, but there's nobody you'd be comfortable with as a at City you um, against Saka at the moment. No, it'd be interesting to see who lines up at left back. I, I do, I, I take your point. What you're saying about Ake is completely true, but I'd be shocked if it wasn't him playing left back on Wednesday night. Um, Saliba, Ben, bit of an interesting game, aerial duels wise at the weekend. Yeah, um, initially he had only won zero of ten contested uh, after after review the data that's gone up to one eleven. But for a centre back at six foot three against Tony, who is five foot ten. That's only five. Tony's five foot ten. Yeah, he's got a bit of a leap on him. Well, he's got to be taller than old, that, Turner. According to the old Google machine, I'm he, not uh, having he's, the Tony. Tony, 10, Tony's, over, Tony's over six foot. Google's wrong. Okay. Ivan Tony is over six foot. I'm certain. I'll load yeah, up. Well, I'll load up Football Manager and, and, and have a look. Check there. He must we'll message, be. We'll message Jonathan, he's, got, see what they say. he's got to be over six foot, Ivan <laughs> Turner. I mean. If you asked me how tall he was, I'd have, I'd have said sort of six one ish. Um, yeah, same. Les Ferdinand was only five ten. He had a leap. Mm. Les Ferdinand was five ten. I'm not having that yeah. either. Yeah, oh, was small as well. He had a leap on him. It's. Uh, I mean, yeah, Ferdinand. Obviously, nineties people were short in the nineties because you know rationing and lack of nutrition and rickets and and stuff like that. But um, yeah, he's. I, 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 it's I, it's possible to. I'd be a surprise, but it's, I, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be that surprised if he's only five ten. No, he, he can't be. I'm having a look. Let me. What did you? What, what side did you go on, Ben? I just searched Ivan Tony height and feet. You know, to be fair, he does say it straight away. One, one point seven nine meters. I think. He's had oh, a that's five ten. That's where I am. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. one point seven nine. So I think he's had a growth spurt since since. Then. <laughs> 
That's what the I've... Premier League website says as well. No way. I mean, Ivan Tony, let us know how tall you are. In, in, if, who's going to get that on the algorithm as well? Players' heights. That's got. That's got to be there. We do he's, have it. He's got to. He's, he's not five foot ten. I could do a whole podcast on him, him not being five foot ten. The economy is one point seven nine meters as well. So it's the Premier League. No, so. I'm overruling it. I'm over. I'm, I'm overruling <laughs> that. V- no VAR way. in this one. Yeah, there's no way he's five <laughs> foot ten. I, I would confidently say that even though I'm the same height as Ivan Tony, he would beat me in the air. At least ten times out of ten, <laughs> yeah, you'd struggle. You know, you'd have a bit of a saliva against him, wouldn't you? You'd, you'd, you'd struggle with the, the physicality. I mean, I am. I'm forty six. I'll, I'll be honest with that you. That won't help either. In fairness, will it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but even even in my pump, uh, I, I think I'd have struggled. I'm gonna. We're gonna find that out. That is that is wrong. Google is wrong. All the football websites are wrong. He is over five foot ten. <laughs> Got Dan Van here. No, I'm six. I'm six foot one. Maybe I'd be Ivan Tony in the in the air. I might have a, might have a good go at six well, foot Saliba, one. If he is five, he is five foot ten. Well, Saliba's taller than you, and only beaten once in the air. That's true. That's so, true. And Saliba will be. Is a professional footballer. Than me. Yeah, yeah. He'll he'll hundred percent be more athletic than, than me. We'll get right. six foot four Josh back, and then he can he can challenge Saliba in the air. And he yeah, I can't have see it. what happens there. I can't have. I once Josh played in a media game. <laughs> and, uh, in, in, it was it was in Gothenburg, a British media against Sweden. And um, they were much better than us, but we made the mistake of going one nil up. At which they, do you remember Glenn Hussain, the old Liverpool centre back? No. Well, Liverpool centre back, sort of late eighties, early nineties, and he'd been playing centre back for them. And they moved him on. I was playing right back. They moved him to the left wing, and just started hitting these long diagonals. And it was the most painful, bruising experience of my life. <laughs> and like the, the the moment when he scored a header and dropped back into the fence it was such a relief. Like it was only like was, he probably only did it for like five ten minutes, and it was just what's the point? Like this bloke's technically way better, much bigger, much stronger, and it just it just hurt an awful lot. People shouting on the sideline. Wilson Wilson doesn't want it. Get at him. He, he doesn't. I mean, want I was it. six inches shorter than a professional <laughs> footballer. Like, what yeah. am I going to do? Like. That's, that's enough height chat now. I think we've done a whole segment on height now, but I'm maintaining that that is inc- incorrect about Ivan Toner. Let's talk about Kevin De Bruyne, Jonathan. Not dominating games in the same way that he has done over previous years. Um, No, but there's that sort of... Something very odd's happened at City since the World Cup that, uh, you know, Sunday was the first time Guardiola sort of uh, turned to a lot of the the old guard that he he sort of suggested he feels felt that people had lost their hunger a bit. So the fact that um, Laporte, uh, De Bruyne... Um, Foden, Walker, uh, Cancelo as well. There seemed to be some sort of tension there, and you sort of almost feel that Cancelo was sacrificed to just to wake everybody else up as much as, much as for anything with his own sort of demeanour. Uh, Walker, I thought was was good again on Sunday, and I, th- I think Guardiola sort of mentioned him uh, specifically in the in the press conference. Um, but De Bruyne had an odd World Cup. He was very sort of sulky through the World Cup. He was obviously very frustrated with with how Belgium were going. Um, there was the, the game against Canada when um, Belgium scored, and he then went berserk at uh, was that I think it was Vertonghen. It was either Vertonghen or Alderweireld. I think no, it was Alderweireld. He went berserk at, even though it was Alderweireld's pass that had led to the goal. Uh, and then he got, I think he got man of the match in that game. Sort of like, I don't know, yeah, it was a laughable match. I was rubbish was, today. Yeah, but it, I mean, it was. But his sort of demeanor and accepting it was all sort of like, 
what's the point? This is ridiculous. And you sort of got the sense he was running outside, not Martinez. Um, and I wonder if some of that frustration sort of carried over into the City. Um, but yeah, he, he hasn't, certainly since, I think he was all right start of the season, but since the World Cup, he hasn't been at, at his level. Um, but yeah, he's a he's a brilliant player. I'm sure it'll come back. Yeah, it was it was good of Pep to bring all those players that you've just mentioned back in against Villa. I really appreciated that. A sign of respect in some ways. Really, really, really good of him. I'm, I'm glad he decided that was the week to do it. Well done, Pep. Congratulations to you. Um, Haaland v Alvarez. So Haaland is a doubt actually for this game, Ben. So we've got combined 11s coming up. I assume Haaland can't be in the team. Well, Pep said he took him off as a precaution. I think if you know you weren't three, if City went through nothing against Villa, um, he said he wouldn't have taken him off. So he would still make it. But, um, I mean, Alvarez isn't a bad stand-in, is he? Uh, There was one moment that really annoyed me, and it kind of brings back to the De Bruyne point as well, where it had been in the second half, where uh, Rodri, Villa's favourite opponent, um, (laughs) uh, was bursting down the right, and he rode a challenge really well, and he put this perfect ball in for De Bruyne, who was making this late run in, and you get the impression, like, if he connects with this, it's going to take the ball through the net, probably Martinez with it, if he connects with it. And Alvarez tried this ridiculous bicycle kick instead, and it just tamely went wide of the goal. Martinez claimed it, and it just—I it, found it really frustrating, just because it was perfectly teed up for De Bruyne to absolutely smash it. I want a better phrase, but I didn't mind anyway. it. I was—I wasn't against it. I, did, I, did, no, I didn't, didn't mind that happening. But Alvarez, yeah. is, I did—I did think he wasn't really involved in the game too much. Alvarez in his in his cameo, actually. When he came against Arsenal uh, in the FA Cup, he, you know, he had the same number of shots as Haaland uh, in two, and he came on. I think it was half time in that one, or he didn't play a full ninety anyway. He didn't start. Um, but again, he just offers a bit more off the ball in terms of Haaland. I think he works a bit harder than Haaland off the ball um, to kind of complete that uh, Guardiola system. Um, but if Haaland is a doubt or misses out completely, or he starts from the bench due to injury issues, then you know Alvarez isn't exactly the poorest player to bring in. Uh, he could even be arguably the more logical selection for this one. Uh, he's someone who'll press high up the pitch. He'll force Gabriel and Saliba into possible mistakes. And as we've seen recently, that Saliba is a defender who can be got at as five foot ten even Tony proved. Well, I'm so sure Callum Chambers is still having nightmares. Just just the thought of Haaland, <laughs> even though he was nowhere near him, forced Callum Chambers into a mistake at, at the weekend. So I don't think Saliba and... Um, Gabriel can perform any worse than, than Villa's backline, in fairness. Combined 11. Jonathan, I'm going to come to you first this week for the combined 11. I'm going to mix it up a little bit. What's the ratio? Uh, it's 8-3 City. 8-3 City. You're very loyal to the, to the Man City. You're Jurgen Klopp and you combine 11s, aren't you? You're very, very loyal well, I just to think the with City, it's, it's the thing that's so good, though, is the team. So changing anybody is a big call. Rather than, you know, the fact that I haven't just picked 11 City players, which I normally do, True. Is, that, that is a sign of the respect that I have for Arsenal Football Club. Yeah, maybe you're, you're, I mean, you're evolving as a, as a manager as well with these, with these terms as well, having, having to move with the times. Yeah, I, mean, I have to say one of the players I've picked is... Uh, uh, oh, hang on. Oh, it's only two, sorry. Uh, I got all excited with the three. And then yeah, sorry, it's only two. Yeah, Go on then, what's, what's your two? Uh I mean, this is nothing. I mean, I've picked Foden, and I don't think he'll play. But okay, um, Edison Walker, Diaz, Laporte, Zinchenko. So Zinchenko is really a City player. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so basically, I picked Saka is what we're saying. Um, Rodri, De Bruyne, Silva, 
uh, Saka, Holland, and Foden. And if we're deciding Holland is injured, then uh, Alvarez. I know. Would you put Jesus in if he'd have, if he'd have been fit? Would he have made your team? Not ahead of Holland. No. Uh, if but... Holland, if, if he was injured, and you could have had Jesus, because then it really yeah, would have just been Man City from last season. Yeah. And Saka, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. Ben, I mean, what about Saka who's... is a you know Mahrez is playing really well at the minute, so yeah, it's tight, definitely yeah. tight. What who scored gone for Ben? Uh, we're actually Arsenal heavy, so it's eight Arsenal to three City. Oh, um, Ramsdale in goal, White, Saliba, Gabriel, Sinchenko, uh, midfield three De Bruyne, Rodri, Odegaard, and then front three of Saka, Harland, Martinelli. It's a very very attacking team, that isn't mm. it? I feel well, that team would do Rodri. well, but it's very very attacking. Mm. Fair play. Big difference there in the team selections from who scored and Jonathan, but that's completely normal on this <laughs> podcast. Let's have some score predictions then. This is a this is a real big one. And Jonathan, I'll come to you first for the score prediction. 2-1 to City. 2-1 to City. Ben? Yes, 2-1 to City as well. I'm going to go... I'll go 1-1. 1-1 Arsenal at home. If it was away, I would, I would worry for them a little bit. But I think at home, I think they're fan base. Might carry them through a little bit. Let's look at the Champions League then. And Jonathan, you've been busy writing about Napoli. How good a chance do really. they? they, oh, they, they, not? they, they what, I'm just reading what's in the script. I know. Well, you need to read my column. I'm, yeah. I'm devastated. Uh, how, uh, yeah, I've got to pick myself up now. The the headline was about Napoli. The piece wasn't really about Napoli. I, all I said, what I was saying in the piece was, it normally the draw gets made in. I mean, normally it's in December, but in November this time because of the World Cup, and it's very easy to sort of get excited then um, about Giants being, you know, not playing particularly well, having to scrape through the group. And then by the time you get around to February, everything tends to settle down. But that hasn't really happened this season. That the only, yeah, the, the teams leading the two biggest teams in, big, big, sorry, the teams leading the two biggest leagues in Europe, according to the coefficient, aren't even in the Champions League anymore. That, you know, Barcelona got knocked out and Arsenal didn't qualify. Um, you look at Bayern and they're, they're only, um, you know, the first half of the season, they they drew seven games and lost one, which by the, by their sons is poor. That uh, Neuer's injured, Mane's injured. Uh, they've got one other big injury as well, haven't they? Um, so the, the, they're not the best. PSG, I think, have been, again, by their sons, pretty poor since the World Cup. There's been injury doubts over all the front three, although it does now appear all of them are fit. Uh, so that leaves Napoli um, as the the one leader of a, of a top five league who you can actually say are categorically in form, but they have never been beyond the last sixteen of a European Cup or Champions League. Um, the, the, and they, they haven't really got to this stage that often. Uh, so they're they're the only sort of big club uh, you can say a really in form at, at, at the moment. Um, but it's uncharted territory for them. You don't quite know how they'll react. I mean, surely they'll win Serie A now. They're surely far enough clear. Yeah, of course. But you, you, that that brings its own problems if if sort of a bit of the intensity disappears domestically. I don't think they're going to get distracted by the tension of a title race in Italy. I think, you know, they certainly shouldn't. But, you know, who knows how they'll react to to getting to quarterfinals, semifinals of, of Champions League. And they surely, I mean, they've, they've got Frankfurt, haven't they? So, I mean, surely they will get to the, the quarterfinals. Ben, you're a football connoisseur. Always got the merch on from, from one of the more obscure teams. And Ben Faker, before Enzo went, they were going really, really well in the Champions League, weren't they? Yeah, they still are. I mean, they 
lost their second game of the season last time out. They lost to Braga on penalties in the um, uh, Taca de Portugal. Um, and their only two defeats this season have come against uh, Braga. So they're still still going well. But you feel, you know, how will that uh, Fernandez departure impact them? I mean, Chiquinho has come in alongside Florentino, who will be suspended if he picks up a book in this game uh, for the second leg. Um, that Fernandez departure, though, may not impact them so much in domestic duties. I mean, they're five points clear at the moment in Liga B win, but Champions League completely, you know, a level above. Um, and it's just whether the Chiquinho has the kind of same impact that Fernandez would have alongside Florentino to keep Benfica ticking over. Um, Club Bruges, it shouldn't be that big a deal, but if they get, you know, to the quarterfinals, they take on one of the bigger teams, it might impact them. Yeah, well, we'll come on to, to Bruges and, and their English manager, obviously. Chelsea had a quiet January, Jonathan, but, you know, they've had to leave out a few players in their Champions League. So it just shows the level of, of, of what they did, that they could only register three of, of, of their new signings. And Badia Shilo, who's played every game, I think, pretty much since he's, since he's come into, into the club, isn't registered in, in the Champions League. He could be a big miss for them defensively. Are you surprised he didn't get the call? Um, uh, I, I'm not surprised he didn't get the call because I, I, when that decision was made, I'm not sure people quite realised just how good he he is, or quite how quickly he would he would settle into that that that, that rear guard. Um, I think they'll miss him certainly. I think he's been excellent since he arrived. Uh, the defensive record under Potter has generally been excellent, but yeah, um, it's considered one in the last four games. Is it now? I think. Um, they, so yeah, I, I think they they will miss him, um, and I, I, but I, I equally, you know, when 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 you have to make those changes and you've got sort of seven or eight new players to to fit in, do you pick the eighteen year old centre back? Um, is he eighteen, nineteen? I think. But do you pick? Yeah, he'd be nineteen, twenty. Do you, do, do you pick the very young centre back? I can see why you wouldn't. So, um. But, but yeah, he, he's been excellent. I think they they will miss him. On the other hand, it's uh, it's you know he's still a young man. It's it's maybe not the worst thing to to have a bit of a rest. It gives him a, a, a natural opportunity to rotate. But Dortmund are playing really well at the minute. I think that's it's a really tough game for them. Um, so I, you know I I think I think that's one of the harder ties to call. Um, and they'll yeah. have to play well to get through. They'll have Very to score upset. a goal as well, which is hard for them. Yeah, it's very upset that that's. I think that's at the same night as Arsenal, Man City, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's, it's kicks off half an hour later, so you, you can at least watch the last half hour. But okay, it's disappointing. Disappointing though, that really, really not happy about that. And of course, Ben, two English managers in the last sixteen, and a few months ago, we'd have all called that Scott Parker and Graham Potter would be taking part in the Champions League last sixteen. Yeah, the Scott Parker one is um, <clears throat> was a bit of a questionable one. I mean, he came. He was appointed on New Year's Eve, and Club Bruges form hasn't been great since. <clears throat> excuse me, uh, he took over. I mean. He's managed seven games. They've won one, albeit they've also lost one. So it was a bit of a left-wing move, you could, or a left-field move, sorry. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he gets on now in the Champions League. I mean, obviously, you've gone from Bournemouth, you get smashed 9-0 by Liverpool. Uh, you look like you're dead cert to go down. Admittedly, they do look like they'll go down again now after that brief bounce under Gary Neal. But you know, it's it, it's one of those appointments that really took everyone, <clears throat> excuse me, by surprise. And 
I just don't think he is the calibre of manager that will get Club Bruges beyond the last 16. So even Benfica without Fernandes, I think Benfica should progress quite easily in that one. I look forward to this time next year when we're talking about Gary O'Neill leading Bruges in the Champions League <laughs> last 16. Jonathan Liverpool won last night against against Everton. A, be, a better performance, still much better here. performance. No, yeah, I mean, they, were, they were they were the best they've been for. for I mean, I, I agree. Yeah. They, they're not. That'd be the intensity season, for for a change. It's, it's the best year. they've been for this, this year, certainly. Yeah, yeah, but Champions League, they've got a fascinating relationship with the Champions League. Whatever they're doing in the league, I still always fancy them to to go far in the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, Anfield on a European night, it's, you know, it's a cliche, but there's a reason it's a cliche. And, and it's, I don't think any away team relishes the prospect of going there. Um, so, yeah, I, I, and they pretty much now, I mean, I suppose they can still make top four. That They're not that far off. Uh, no. they've, got, they've got a couple of games in hand, haven't they? Which sort of the league table looks slightly worse than it actually is. I think they had to win last night to, to sort of have a chance of rekindling their season. But, but they can pretty much put their focus now. You know, they're, they're, they're out of um, the FA Cup as well. So their focus can now be almost entirely Champions League. Um, and with players slowly starting to come back, I mean, Van Dijk was on the bench last night, wasn't he? So if if, if he's on his way back, then I think they can do a little bit what they did two years ago when they they, they, they did finish the season pretty strongly. Uh, so I, I think it's, it's, it's almost a 50-50 chance whether they can take fourth. Because uh, I don't think anybody's really convincing in no, you know, of those challenges, uh, and yeah, the Champions League is their, their sort of their free hit that, that nobody really expects much now. But but why not? Yeah, Jota and Firmino were back last night off the bench as well. It just gives it with the five subs. It just gives them the options to change games when they when they're not going in their favour. I think that will be pivotal for them moving forward. And Newcastle just keep drawing, don't they? So you know the door is ajar for, for fourth and. We've seen with the gap between City and Arsenal that in, in a couple of weeks that things can change very quickly and the gap's not what it was and that, that might be something that ends up happening with, with the top four here and Liverpool make their way towards Newcastle. We're going to look at now with the competition with the best theme tune that there is, it's Europa League. We're going to look at Barcelona being Manchester United and Ben Barcelona having some season defensive. So, you, you know... I, mean, I, I told you last week, no, you know who wrote that, that theme tune? Did I say that last week, did I? No, no, I, but no. I, 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 I gave you this trivia last week, didn't I? Yeah, you have. I've completely forgotten. Off it. Air. It's it was Platini's but, son, isn't it? Yes, son in law. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it looks like terrible nepotism, but 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 it's worked. It's such a good, mm. such a good theme tune. I mean, I know you love computer <laughs> games as well, Jonathan. Football Manager in particular. <laughs> if you're in the Europa League on Football Manager, the theme tune players when the draw gets done, the theme tune players and your team comes out at the start, absolutely I brilliant. Football Manager too hard these days. Like, I'm I'm very much more into my my big strategy games. Victoria three. Oh. Yeah, honestly, the way that the way that I've grown the GDP of Chile in the last sort of twenty years, that is you. That that is you. I can I can imagine yeah. you doing that. I won I won the uh, won the League Cup with Leeds last night in, in Football Manager, and I didn't put a suit. Oh, on. Okay. I was well, a bit well, worried. Thank you. I was a bit worried if I didn't put a suit on, it wouldn't go well. Is um 10, is Scott Parker still wearing that? those suits with the four stripes? With, I, with no idea. He's got to so. He's got to be. I, I was uh, I was looking for a new pair of jeans at the weekend and. Uh, I saw one of those suits. They're very um, expensive. I wasn't tempted. It looked terrible. Uh, you know. Yeah, I like but the jumpers more than the suits. It was a, I mean, it was, a, it was a night. It was a nightmareish. It was a nightmareish afternoon. Anyway, I spent forty-five minutes. It was too hot. It was too crowded. And like, you know, they just don't make jeans for the athletic forty-six-year-old man. Like, yeah, you know, they, they stretch fabric. What's the, no? No, I don't want. I don't want it to cling. 
And like getting it to fit around the waist and not be too tight around my muscular thighs. It's anyway. You don't... <laughs> do you want to hear about that? I don't think you do. Carry on. Jonathan Wilson, the forty-six-year-old Jack Grealish, struggling to get jeans to, to fit his athletic legs. <laughs> and then I never thought we'd say the content. I really, I really didn't. <laughs> ben, in Barcelona, as I, as I said before, Jonathan went on that massive tangent. Um, <clears throat> defensively, they're having some season. Yeah, I've only conceded seven in La Liga this season, which is incredible considering they conceded twelve in the Champions League group stages. Um, they've been boosted by Arahal's return, and you know there was a, there was an overhaul in their defence over the summer. They brought in Christensen, uh, Gunde, uh, Alonso as well, and Javi's just made them this incredibly tough unit to break down. Um, not what you would have expected that either, is it? Not, no. You might have thought they got them free flowing, but you wouldn't have said he's, he's going to sort them out defensively, Javi. Yeah, it's just if we can transfer that across to European um, European action. I mean, I said they conceded twelve in their six uh, group stage games in the Champions League, which is five more they conceded in La Liga this season. So, it, I mean, they, the defense did need an overhaul with PK retiring a, a bit during the season, but he was very much the wrong side of thirty anyway. So they needed a defensive overhaul, but to have got that unit to gel uh, as quickly as they have done is, you know, incredibly impressive by Xavi. Yeah, and I'll say that football cliche now. Some, something's got a gift because Manchester United have scored in all but one of their away games this season. So something does have to give in this fixture. Jonathan Barca's last defeat was actually in the Champions League against Bayern back in October. They've only failed to win one of their last 16, which was against Espanyol. Have you seen much of them? Not a huge amount. Um, I've seen bits. I saw them a lot in the Champions League, obviously. I mean, my, my concern with those stats is... Uh, are they not conceding goals because they're good defensively or are they not conceding goals because they find it easy to hang on to the ball in, in La Liga? And I think we've seen this with, with City as well, that City, if you do purely look at the, 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 the your goals conceded stats, City defensively have been excellent in the Premier League for you know five, six years, but you always think they're vulnerable in a big European game because it's a, it's a totally different challenge. So having seen how bad... Barca were, I mean, particularly those two games against Inter, and Inter yeah, were not having a great season at all. And they were they were really the, the significantly the poorer side across those two games. And yeah, I know they you know they, they they got very upset about some of the decisions in the in the game in in Milan um, with a tiny bit of justification, but you know it wasn't some vast conspiracy. It was a couple of decisions that could have gone either way that went against them. Um, I, I, I still am slightly. Uh, skeptical about them. Uh, having said that, I think they have improved a lot over the last two or three months. I mean, I thought the Super Cup they were against Madrid, they, they looked really good in what clearly is a you know a, a tough game. Um, Testagen has had a great season as well. I think he's I think he's um, got the best uh, saves to shots ratio of any of any keeper in Europe at the minute. Certainly did have, um, which again. Is great for him, but it, it does just sort of say you know, how just how good is that defence? Are they getting bailed out a couple of times by the keeper being brilliant? So, I think it's it's compared to where they were at the start of the season, it's all very encouraging. I'm not 100% convinced yet. Yeah, we spent the entirety of the summer talking about Frankie de Jong going to Manchester United. Of course, they ended up with Casemiro, and Frankie de Jong is still an important part of what Barcelona are doing, Ben. And now they'll face off against each other in the Europa League. I'm pretty sure they'd rather have been facing off in the, in the Champions League. Both those players are playing Champions League football, but it's the Europa League for these two. Yeah, they are going to be the superior competition with the better theme tune. Well, um, we all know about the theme tune. We can wax lyrical about that for days. 
Um, I mean, De Jong's been incredibly important for Barcelona, but um, especially after you know Barcelona tried to force him to leave in the summer. Um, the key thing is that he's taken on that Busquets role really well. Busquets is you know currently sidelined, I think, with an ankle injury, but De Jong's come in uh, in that central midfield role and just been a revelation there. Um, he's just solid off the ball and on it, but you know you would have thought on the face of it he's a completely different type of midfielder to Casemiro but then as we've seen with United Casemiro has much more in his locker than just protecting the defence and win the ball and pass it on to Cruz or Modric to do damage in the final third so it's quite an interesting battle between these two in the middle of the park um, you kind of get the impression that whoever does win this one well whoever dictates the tempo in the midfield will kind of get that first leg advantage yeah, I presume Casemiro and De Jong are in your combined eleven, Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah. So in De Jong, although he has replaced Busquets recently with, with the Busquets injury, he has also been playing alongside Busquets. So I think he can play in in a sort of uh, in a slightly more advanced role if need be. So that's that's what he's doing in my team. Gone Raiders three team then, Jonathan. Uh, Tashtegan, Kunde, Martinez, uh, Christensen, Shaw, uh, Pedri, Casemiro, De Jong. Um, and then the front line is actually difficult. So Lewandowski is centre forward. I've gone Rashford on the left, although I would quite like Gavi there as well. And the, on the right, there's nobody really convinces. So part of me is tempted to stick Gavi on the right and tell him and Rashford to keep swapping. But just to get a player in the right hole, I've gone for Rafinha, but with no great. Um, I can be talked out of that quite quickly on the right. I liked you first. I like the first thing that you mentioned there, getting Gavi and Rashford. Swapping, although I don't like Rashford on the right. Manchester United have lost something when they've done that a few times in, in, the, in the last week. They haven't. He hasn't looked as effective from the right. He's far better on the left. So that was quite even. What was the what was the sway there? Uh, it was uh, seven four. Okay. Uh, it wasn't in it, it was. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, if if Varane were fit and if uh, Ericsson were fit, then it would it would flip. Ericsson would get in. That. Would who who would come out of your midfield for Ericsson? Well, okay, maybe he wouldn't, but he'd definitely be in consideration. I've, I've tested you. I've tested you. You said something I wasn't sure about, and I've tested you. And you've yeah, you're, you've exposed the uh, tissue I of lies. Exposed, uh, Jonathan Wilson. Excellent stuff, Ben. What's the what's the sway from who scored? Uh, Seven four in favour of Barcelona. So we've got a four three three. Testegen in goal. Back for Dalot, Araujo, uh, Christensen, and Alba. Midfield three. Dion does miss out, so it's Fernandez, Casemiro, and Pedri. Then up front, we've got Dembele, Lewandowski and Rashford. It's completely, I mean, it's the same number of Barcelona players, but it's a completely different team. Is Dembele fit at the moment? Uh, so he hasn't played the last two so. or three weeks. That's why I didn't include him. I thought People have been exposed all over the place on this podcast. Uh, have you you've just been exposed, Ben? I might have done, yeah. Um, if not, I'm not sure who comes in. I can find out. But it won't be Dembele. If not, we could just put Fernandez on the right, Rashford on the left, and put De Jong in midfield. Okay, I think that was it. We'll do exposure. that. A lot of exposure going on <laughs> in in that segment, and it's Tottenham v West Ham next for us. And Tottenham may be getting exposed themselves in midfield. Unbelievable, seamless link there. Benton Kerr is out for the season. Bissouma's absent at the moment as well. Ben going well, going well, Spurs. It's going well for them, isn't it? Typical to beat Man I mean, City and then get absolutely pummeled by Leicester last week. I mean, that defeat really did come at cost losing Benton Core. Um, he's Tottenham's most important midfielder. And, you know, you look at any Spurs fan when they realise 
that well a come off with injury and b he wouldn't be playing again this season you kind of think well that's the season over for Tottenham um it's just an absolutely massive blow for Spurs he is the man that links the defense the midfield and the attack you get him on the ball and he drives it forward he can you know play the ball to the wing backs to put the ball into the box and just get the impression that if Spurs do miss out on top four now, it wouldn't be a huge shock. Um, no. e- even before like Bentacle's injury, it was Tottenham just looked pretty terrible, all things considered. Um, but now it's a case of every Spurs fan is very disheartened and it's a case of where where do they go now, especially with Basuma out. Um, Hoiberg's obviously suspended for the AC Milan game. He will be back for the West Ham one, of course. But then it's just Tottenham without their best midfielder. It's as simple as that. Yeah, and West Ham, they go out without a couple as well. Summer signings, Aguirre and Pakatar. I never know how to, how to say that. I heard Tim Vickery say Pakatar or something like that once, and I tried to tried to carry it on, and I'm, I'm not doing as good a job, job as Tim Vickery did. They were both starting to show their best form before injury, Jonathan, and, and they're two of the top four best-rated players in the West Ham team, both absent though against Spurs. So there's a few players missing for this one. Yeah, I mean, I think Benton after Kane is probably the most important Spurs player, and I think they've got real problems. I mean, Hybeer's had a decent season, but then yeah. neither Skip nor Saar have particularly impressed, so that's a big problem for them. I Gerd, I, th- I, I think, I mean, he was injured early on in the season, wasn't he? And he's, but since he's come in, he's been excellent. Pakatar, I wasn't convinced by early on, but he, he's he's sort of grown into it. I wasn't really convinced by him with Brazil in the World Cup either, actually, but. He he's he's sort of for the last sort of six weeks or so he's he's been showing good form. Um so yeah, uh you assume that that West Ham will stick with the back three. So it's two back threes probably against each other. I sort of fear there might be a bit of cancelling out going on. But having said that, you sort of think, well, West Ham probably win the midfield battle. Well, yeah, you'd have thought so, wouldn't you? With the absentees that, that Tottenham have got. I mean, the other problem for West Ham, obviously, is Zuma's out as well. So, you know, they're probably going to have to play Ben Johnson in the back three, which which is fine, but uh, two senior centre-backs out is, is a problem. I keep assuming West Ham will move away from relegation trouble, Jonathan, but they are still still right in the mix. Yeah, but they have been playing better recently. And, um, I think, I mean, they've, is it five points in the last four games? Uh, but two of those were draws against decent sides. So, um, I, I think the relegation battle could be really bloody this season um, because Bournemouth are showing signs of improvement, maybe not quite enough. Southampton, obviously, they've lost the greatest manager in the history of football, which is the, a blow also the, the fittest man on the planet. Fittest human being in history. Yeah, that was it. That's Coronation um, Street for him now. Are you yeah. actually you went a bit Nathan Jones earlier, Jonathan, when you were talk, talking about your, your athletic <laughs> card and not being able to get into jeans, the fittest forty-six year old on earth. I, I've got no. All I'm saying is I've got big thighs compared to the size of my waist, um, yeah. which is a you know I've, I've been doing googling for what what brands will uh, will accommodate the athletic thigh, and I, I learned the phrase athletic thigh, and that apparently is is what I am. Um, I'm not saying I've got the most athletic thighs in history. Um, I'm not saying that I, I regret compromising with previous jeans and that we're now going to do it my way. But but that is the truth of it. I'm going to buy the jeans that fit me and the jeans I like. Also, like I always wear an indigo jean. Like, I, I I don't like pale jeans, and that's they seem to have gone completely out of fashion. Like what? I mean, at some point, I guess I might have to accept that I'm wrong. But I like a dark blue jean. Why why did oh, no. why people? 
Not no. nowadays. No, nah, it's not 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 in vogue nowadays. Not in, not in well, vogue at, at all. You watch the world will come back to me. Um, uh, Rips anyway. in the jeans. Rips in the jeans. Got your dad's no. jeans. God, I know. I knew you would. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Absolutely not. I mean, obviously, yeah. it's 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 a it's a danger when your thighs are as muscular as mine. Yeah, they just rip. They just rip anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, not going to buy them pre-ripped. Um, You'd be surprised that I do, so, I do do that. I do buy pre-ripped jeans. Oh yeah, so you'll, yeah, you'll so, be shocked by that. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> Southampton and Bournemouth. Yeah, although both, yeah, may, yeah, Bournemouth may be on a on a bit of an upward turn. Southampton may improve with a new manager, but they're the two who look significantly less good than the other eighteen. And then who takes that third bottom place is, I mean, Leeds. Their search for manager hasn't gone well, which which maybe counts against them. So you know, a team like West Ham could get dragged in through, through no real fault of their own. But, you know, it wouldn't have to be that bad to get dragged into it. So. They they can't be they can't be overconfident, but I surely with the squad they've got, and I think there have been signs the last last three or four games that they are improving. At, I think they'll be okay. Southampton might get Jesse Marsh from what I was reading yesterday. I'm, I'm all for that. Get Jesse Marsh back in the Premier League ASAP. That, that's what I want to go from Nathan Jones to Jesse Marsh. Is, would be quite would be quite interesting as well. These Southampton players that have gone through the mill this season. If, if, if that's what happens, um, so our score prediction. Let's do a score prediction for Tot- Tottenham Vibers. I think I, I'm confused with our, our running orders. Confused me, Ben, because we've covered so much here in so many different competitions. This is the Tottenham West Ham of the weekend, isn't it? That's happening at the weekend. Yeah, it's Sunday. Sunday, what, what, is, yeah, what score are you going for, Ben? Uh, I reckon top, uh, Tottenham will lose this one, 2-1 to West Ham. 2-1 to West Ham. Jonathan? 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. I'll go 2-1 to West Ham as well. I think I think West Ham have, him, have improved. I think Suchek's going to get on this. Last time I predicted Suchek to score, he, he did score like, on a podcast last season. I think Suchek's going to get his, get his goal. He got one disallowed last week. Maybe he can come back into some form because he used to be so pivotal to what West Ham do. Just a minute section now, Ben, but we're avoiding some games, aren't we? We are, yeah. We're going to avoid the Arsenal, Man City and Man United games for the weekends just because we've focused in them, on them yeah. in a bit more in-depth. So, Yeah, well, OK. Well, Jonathan, you've got Brentford v Palace, a London derby to start. Uh, Brentford in great form at the moment, uh, unbeaten in 10 in the league. Uh, they've won five of those, drawn five of those. And the last six games, they've only conceded twice, so defensively very sound. Um Played really well in that that draw at Arsenal, uh, even though the goal was 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 offside. The, the equaliser, they'd done enough in the first half that you, they, they probably deserved uh, at least a draw from that game. Uh, five for ten, Ivan Tony causing no. all kinds of bother in the air. <laughs> Palace uh, really out of form at the moment. No wins in six, only one win in, in the last nine in the league. Uh, they're only seven points above the relegation zone, so. They they do have to be looking over their shoulder now. I think I think they have become involved in that battle. Uh, this game at Sellers Park in the season finished one one. On the acres of doubt, uh, Johnson and uh, Swakoshi out. Ward, Zaha, Ferguson all out. Anderson and Hughes are out. I'm going to say one nil to Brentford. I'm going to go three nil to Brentford. Ben two nil to Brentford. Just to clarify, only only two goals conceded in six was that, Jonathan? Hmm. Only two goals conceded in six, was that? Two goals conceded in six, yeah. yeah. Some some record, that's <laughs> some record from Brentford. Ben, you've got Brighton v Fulham in the battle for the Europa League, it seems. Yeah, 100%. At least the Conference League. Uh, Brighton extended their unbeaten streak to seven matches in all competitions with a one-all draw with Crystal Palace, though 
Mistake by VAR saw a Purvis Stupinan goal ruled out incorrectly. Confidence is still high at the Amex, but they'll have been disappointed to have dropped two points against their rivals. Though let's get back on the win trail with Jakob Murder, Levi Colwell and Danny Welbeck absent, though the trio should return to training this month. Adam Lalana will be assessed for the Seagulls as they look to secure a third successive home league win. Fulham ended a three-game winless league run with a comfortable 2-0 home win over Nottingham Forest at the weekend. Costages are currently level on points with Brighton as a as a surprise package is chase, chase a top six finish. Marco Silva will hope to have William fit here uh, after he came off against Forest and he's one of these check-in. Tom Kearney should be available for Silva at the end of the month, but Niskin's Cabana, we'll get that one right first time, is a long-term absentee. Thank you. Uh, I think Brighton will win this one 2-1. 2-1 to Brighton. I'm going to go 1-1, Jonathan. 2-1 to Brighton. 2-1 to Brighton as well. Jonathan, next up for you, it's the Graham Lisso slash Wayne Bridge derby. It's Chelsea against Southampton. Yeah, I mean, we've already touched on the, the the big news here, which is no no Nathan Jones, which is a, a shame for everybody. Um, but they had lost nine of the last ten in the league. Um, I think what's, what's even worse for them is that the four home games in that run were against Wolves, Villa, Forest and Brighton. So not against the, the the top top sides. So those are those are games. If you're going to stay up, you, you do have to be getting points from. Um, still not entirely clear who's going to going to take take over there, but um, it could be Jesse Marsh. Chelsea they're unbeaten in four, but they've only won one of the last eight and two of the last twelve in all competitions. This is before the Dortmund game. Um, big problem as it often has been for Graham Potter side is scoring goals. They failed to score in five of the last 10 games. They've only scored three times in the last seven. They do have a load of injuries. Uh, Broyer, Pulisic, Kante, Fafana, Zaharia, Kovacic, Sterling, Mendy are all either out or doubts. But thankfully, they've got the biggest squad in the world, so it shouldn't matter. And so I think they will win 1-0, even though Sam won 1-2-1 at some areas. Yeah, 2-0 Chelsea for me. Ben? 3-1 uh, to Chelsea. 3-1 to Chelsea. Ben, next up for you, it's the Nigel Martin derby. It's Everton against Leeds. Uh, Everton were unable to follow up their 1-0 win over Arsenal with victory at Anfield as they lost 2-0 to Liverpool on Monday night, with individual errors proving costly. Nevertheless, Sean Dyer should be focusing more on games against relegation rivals rather than those challenging for Europe, as the Toffees seek to keep their heads above water. James Garner missed the Merseyside derby with a back issue, but could be available for Everton here, so too might Michael Keane. Welcome to Leeds does come too soon for Nathan Patton and potentially Dominic Calvert-Lewin, or Andros Townsend is expected back in training next month. At the time of recording, Leeds are yet to appoint a new manager following a decision to sack Jesse Marsh. Dismissal of the American hasn't brought about an upturn in results, with the 2 0 loss to Manchester United on Saturday, extending their winless run to nine matches. No fewer than six players may return to Leeds here, with Liam Cooper, Luis Sinistera, Mark Rocker, and Pascal Stroik among those who will be assessed. However, Rodrigo and Stuart Dallas are confirmed absentees for the Whites. Uh, I do think Everton will win this one 2 0. 2-0 to Everton. I'm going to go 1-1 again. Jonathan? 1-0, Everton. 1-0, Everton. Jonathan, your final game in the Just A Minute segment is Wolves against Bournemouth. No no derbies to be had here in my mind. I can't come up with a thing. I've spent my whole of the last time Ben was talking, trying to think of one, and I didn't get one. So, Wolves v Bournemouth. Uh, Wolves, much improved under Jordan Lopetegui. Uh, they've won three of the last four. They've played 11 games under Lopetegui. Uh, one five, drawn three, only lost three. Uh, they've now moved five points above the relegation zone, and so while they're they're not by any means safe yet, certainly the direction of travel is is in the right direction. Bournemouth have been on a horrible run. They've only had one win in twelve in the league, but in that one they'll defeated Brighton, which is a very late goal in the one one draw against Newcastle. The last two games, I think there have been clear signs of of improvement. So I think there is 
is some sense of encouragement there. They are second bottom, but they're only one point from safety. And if they could win a couple of games, then yeah, things could, could pretty quickly look look pretty different. Um, Lamina suspended for Wolves after that slightly odd red card at the weekend. Uh, Pedens, Bubikar, Traore, Huang and Kladzic all out. Bournemouth have seven players either doubtful or out. It was nil-nil at Vitality, and I think it'll be tight again, but Wolves to win 1-0. 2-1 Wolves here, Ben. I think one all, and this is also the Benicophobi derby. Benicophobi should have got there that. There we go. Poor <laughs> from me. Got to, got to get that. Uh, finish with Newcastle or Liverpool, Ben. You've upset me by getting that, so I'm not even going to bother doing a derby this time. Newcastle Sorry. against Liverpool. Also, I haven't actually thought of anyone, but yeah, Newcastle. Terry McDermott. Terry McDermott. Kevin Kagan? Kevin Kagan? No, did he play for Newcastle yeah. as well? Yeah. Did he play yeah. for them as well? There you go. Yeah, he was in the promotion yeah. team in 83 4 when they. Uh, they finished third, and he he left in a in a helicopter at the end. Um, nice. It was, well, it was obviously meant to be sort of him ascending into the heavens, but it felt a bit you know, fall of Saigon, given all the money had run out, and they had a yeah they had to sell off loads of players over summer when Jack Charlton came in. Arthur Cox left as manager. Um, again, I feel like I'm talking about something nobody else cares about. Carry on. <laughs> Not that they don't care about. Is that I've got no? I wasn't born, so I've got no no knowledge. Yeah, but like the Second World War you've heard of, right? You're aware of the Second World War. I'm familiar with it. I know it's something that occurred in the past, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, you can learn. It's not beyond yeah, that's, you. That's, that's, it is beyond me, Jonathan. <laughs> You'd be surprised there. Uh, Newcastle-Liverpool for you, Ben. Yeah, just one win in six. I've seen Newcastle drop off in recent weeks with a lack of goals in issue for the Magpies. Indeed, they've scored just three times in the last six outings, as many as they put past Leicester on Boxing Day. They now sit just two points above Tottenham in fifth, albeit with a game in hand. Eddie Howe sweating on the fitness of a number of first-team regulars, including Callum Wilson, Miguel Almiron and Alan St-Maximin, while Bruno Gamarish serves the third of a three-match ban. Joe Willock, Emil Kraft and Javi Manquia are also absent for Newcastle, who may have one eye on next week's Carabao Cup final. Liverpool finally earned their first league win of 2023, as they beat Everton 2-0 on Monday night. However, they're still nine points off the top four and have lost their last three matches, three league matches away from home. Jürgen Klopp has lost Thiago to injury until next month and the Spaniard joins Luis Diaz, Arthur and Ibrahima Canate on the sidelines. However, as mentioned earlier in the pod, Liverpool's injury issues have started to ease with Diogo Jota back to first-team duties against Everton, uh, making his first appearance since October, while Roberto Firmino also returned in that one. However, I do think this one will end one all. I can't call this one. I really, I really can't. Uh, I'll go 1-0 to Liverpool, Jonathan. Yeah, I was sort of quite confident in a Newcastle win till till last night, and now I sort of think Liverpool might be back. But given I'd written this down before that game, I'll stick with what I've got written down. Say two one Newcastle, two one to Newcastle. Of course, the carrier Starby Newcastle against Liverpool, the hero of both clubs, and that that does us for this week's edition of the Edge of the Box podcast. Thanks ever so much to the chaps for joining me. Thanks to everyone that's tuning in and will tune in. As well, subscribe to the channel with your post notifications on. Let's get the subscriber numbers up. We'll be back at some point next week. Of course, if you are subscribed to the channel, you'll know exactly when. Enjoy the feast of football this week and the weekend. And as ever, please stay safe.